Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed. The cat is not in her room, we can't find her. And we are here recording this Family Tree podcast, episode 29. Yes. It's not really happy hour because neither one of us have drinks, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. But uh, the hour is happy, but we are we are drinkless. Well said, Alex. <laughs> Because I don't even think the hour is that happy. You don't seem to be feeling too up for anything right now. Oh, I'm just I'm just sleepy and mm. uh, so tired. Like it's every single night around this time, way before this time, to be honest. I'm just hitting a wall and uh, I'm mentally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. I'm happy. I'm very happy. Does any part of you think you may have the coronavirus? <laughs> no part of me mm. thinks I have the coronavirus. It's the parasite growing in my belly right now that's sucking out the energy. But Not exactly a term of endearment for our uh, future child. Oh, I, I love this kid, but I mean, total parasite. Do you think, I mean, you had to take a couple days off work this week. You weren't feeling good. Does any part of you think you have COVID-19? So you don't like people. You're one of those people. If someone says Corona, you go, it's COVID-19. Well, because everything's a coronavirus. Like the common flu, I think, is a coronavirus. I can't call it COVID-19. That's like if someone says Neanderthal and I'm like, it's Neanderthal, actually. (laughs) I couldn't do it. It's not like that at all. It's not like... Colloquial. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I try to say a big word and this is what happens. Colloquially... Right? Am I'm, I saying this I'm right? just, I'm Why do I even try? People are saying Corona. I know. Coronavirus. I'm surprised you said that because you said Kenorovirus a couple times today. Yeah, I, I legit thought it was Kenora. But I'm learning slowly not to even say it. So COVID, I can't say anything. COVID-19. Okay, I'll call it COVID-19. And I just won't, don't want to feel pretentious doing that. No, it's not. It's just correct. But I had to take off work because I was. I had a little cough. But I almost got kicked out of the bus on the way home. Mm-hmm. People were moving out of the way. My boss is very paranoid. I work in very tight quarters. And uh, I was trying to talk to my friend Mike because I, I was off a day. I went into work. And then I could tell I was making a couple of people uncomfortable. But my coughing was under control. But then I coughed all night. And my yeah. bus ride home, I almost got it kicked off it. So I figured Friday, I'll take off. And then all weekend, I can get my cough under control because coughing and sneezing is not cool right now for people they do not want to see it i read a story that an uber driver charged a woman 75 dollars for sneezing in his vehicle because he posted a sign oh my gosh so it's like it's intense what city was that in Uh, it was in toronto my goodness well a guy in toronto who has recently tested like as of this week tested positive for covid19 before he realized that he was sick but during the period in which you're contagious, he was walking around Toronto using public transit for three days. So they're trying to Did find out. Did he know he had it? I don't think at that point, no. Right. So they're trying to find out the exact lines. Like there's a whole investigation to try to find out what buses and trains he used. And people are going in cleaning crews and have hazmat suits and like wiping everything down. And it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's going to be, it's hard to control because when you get it, you don't know you have it. So yeah. why would you kind of change your well, daily it's, routine? It's like the regular flu, right? And like Shane and I were talking earlier today, the first year of the flu's existence, right? I mean, it's so widespread now and mm-hmm. so many people die of it every year. 
And coronavirus, COVID-19, is, I mean, it passes just as easily as the flu does from person to person. It has a higher uh, fatality rate. Yep. And... Four times more deadly than the flu. Yeah. And and the thing is, <laughs> it just came into existence a couple months ago. And it's like, I don't think there's reason to panic and shutter yourself inside and stock up your house with everything you're going to need for the next year. But to the people saying, oh, it's stupid, don't get worried and things like that. I think that it is a legitimate fear in a sense. And I, I do think like I'd be scared of the regular flu. And it does, it stops you from making money. Like even if you have a mild version, I had to take a week off work. Mm-hmm. And I don't get paid for those days off. Yeah, depending on your job, I can, yeah. Yeah. But but it's weird that no babies, I think the youngest person who died was three from it, babies seem to be oddly safe from it. I'm actually even surprised to hear a, a toddler of three years old died. Yeah. That's awful. What, in what country? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but... It could have been unrelated. Maybe the kid just had it and it was like a bungee jumping accident. Oh, I doubt it. But so generally... That was a joke, Alex. I'm not saying it was a funny (laughs) joke, but the kid did not die of a bungee jumping accident. No, but there was a preliminary study done Mm -hmm. in Korea or something where, you know, it grew quickly, like earlier. And they said that children that are in households, like toddlers and young kids, seem to fare better than adults do. But clearly not. And I wonder if that's changing. I wonder if it's mutating or if that was just a biased study. People over 60 seem to take it the worst. Yes. And people who are immunocompromised, which I am. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. Obviously, I don't want it. Um, And being pregnant. I mean, Mm. I don't know how that's going to affect the baby. And like, I can't take medication. So just say I got it. I can't take medication Mm -hmm. to keep myself from going into a really critical state necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's very scary to me and Shane and I have talked like we're not above you know buying an extra thing of toilet paper when we're already there I am above that because I'm not worried about toilet paper oh, you yeah. <laughs> I've realized you use and maybe this is a woman thing but you use so much toilet paper I get that you use it whether it's coming out your butt or uh, the vagina is incorrect right yeah what's the thing called that it goes up your urethra okay maybe you don't even know but it is a urethra whether it's coming out your back i'll edit this whether it's coming (laughs) (laughs) what do you know who knows nothing about anything shane uh whether it's coming out your back or your front you have to use toilet paper but you use so much okay well here's the other thing like you use a roll a day i don't use a roll a day 75 percent of a roll shane i'm peeing 40 times a day I'm it's not angry. Ridiculous. I'm not angry. I'm just shocked. Well, I'm I I my bladder is out of control right now. I cannot hold anything in for longer than five minutes. So it's like I'm take a sip of water or a sip of milk mm-hmm. and I'm in the bathroom five minutes later. <laughs> Do you know what my least favorite noise in the world is? What? The sound of a woman peeing. Why? It's like pssst. it's like that <laughs> crazy hiss noise. It just sounds like painful for you or something. I just thought of it, just the thinking of it. it it's I don't know. It's like a, I'll add it to heartbeats and belly buttons, and but a woman peeing is like a weird phobia of mine. Do you, do you think it just comes Psst. out with? <laughs> it's coming out with more force than a man's pee. It must you're, be. It well, reminds me just... of a a geyser that comes like what's that called? The Old Faithful, like the noise that those yeah, things yeah. make. That's kind of like a muted version. I guess yours is just up higher, and it's. When you, it, hear, it reaches, you only hear the liquid, but when it reaches the toilet. the toilet, it's more of like 
hard splashes. Yeah, you just hear, you don't hear the result of it coming out of the urethra. Whereas yours, it's like as it's in the air before it even hits, the, before it hits the water. It's. I don't think. So. Have you ever heard yourself pee? Yeah, that's. It's what, loud. That's it hitting the water, though, Shane. Oh, it sounds like it's spouting out of there. No. Oh, okay. Well, I've always been wondering what's going on in there because it's very what, loud. That's what it's hitting. The but like your number twos, whisper quiet. I would never know you're taking number two. I've never caught you. I've never heard loud plops. I don't know what you're doing. But your number ones, I can hear them like when you're upstairs. Oh, this is funny. But um, yeah, Shane and I were in Canadian Tire today. <laughs> Sorry, that was a funny yeah. conversation. We were getting coffee filters. And we saw a family who was prepping for the end of times Mm -hmm. they had about four buggies they had their little like 10 year old kid on guard of the four buggies while the two parents were going all around the store and putting stuff in it and they had a ton of toilet paper they took the last of the on sale rolls of paper towel which we were trying to get our hands on yeah and a bunch of other random stuff like uh, they had a ton of stuff but this was an asian woman and i do feel like asian culture is overly prepared and you know i well because they probably have people that are actually affected unlike people but even before this they were kind of prepared for corona because you see the masks often on asians i've never seen a white person walking around wearing the mask yeah true so it's like they're always ready (laughs) so i wasn't surprised when you said oh look three buggies and then we saw a little asian girl waiting for her yeah her her mom coming over but it was kind of embarrassing not to say that it wasn't intelligent because they have the last laugh when we're yeah, searching true, for truly. all these materials but i i feel like toilet paper and water and masks and other things like that and sanitizer aren't going to be the things you're really going to want when this hits okay, okay, okay. i want to i want to talk about that for a second because sanitizer does that help with viruses or just bacteria? Because this is a virus, not bacterial. The masks, every single government has said, don't buy them because they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then now hospitals are running out of masks when they're the ones that need them. And it truly does not stop the disease from getting to you or the virus. But if people are saying wash your hands, right? Yeah. If you buy, if you have like germs all over your hands and then you use Purell, maybe you kill the disease, right? I, I don't know. We need somebody to explain this to us. I, I'm wondering, does the... Like, I, I just... I honestly don't know. I'm just thinking. And then water, though. Tap water. If you live somewhere with good tap water, you're yeah. fine. But toilet paper... When I see someone filled with a cart of toilet paper, it's like you're trapped in your house. You're bunkered down. After every number two, just have a bath well, or a little, quick little shower. You know what we should do? Um, because I've been wanting to get one for a long time, mostly because I love their branding. But there's a company called Tushy. And I want to reach out to them and pitch this idea if they haven't thought of it yet. Mm-hmm. But they should be taking advantage of this virus scare, this pandemic scare, because they sell like portable bidets. So you buy a bidet off them and then you hook it up to your toilet. Yep. And... They're like very cute and get them pink, baby blue, mm-hmm. gold. They're like very trendy uh, bidets. And, and they, they have, work? It they sounds have, like it might create a terrible mess. No, no, they work and people love them. And they're like, I think they're like 60 bucks. Sounds too good to be true. Uh, 
I know. Okay. I think it's true. Full contact. I've actually asked them if they want to send us one and uh, I talk about it and promote it because I love the idea of it and they said no. But I want... Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably got worried because if you reviewed it negatively, maybe they don't have the hottest reviews. We'll check that out. We will check it out. But I do think it's a smart, smart time to get a, bit, a bidet. But my hand sanitizer thought. Yeah. Okay, so you're bunkered down. Right. The government says, everyone, stay in your homes. Just eat all the food you have in the house. Use all the toilet paper you have in the house. If you don't, just take a shower. The hand sanitizer, how's that going to help you? If the coronavirus is in your home and you're bunkered down with your family, you either have it or you don't. Well, yeah, but the thing you're is... You're not going to manifest it within your own home. And if it is there, well, simply washing your hands isn't going to stop yeah, it. It's but bouncing I th- around the I walls. I think it's like, so if you touch a door handle or a light switch, then... Other people can be using it and wipe down that light switch. But it's your own family in your own house. Like, yeah, but you can still kill your own family members with your disease. They're already dead, though. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is they already have it. Just because you you Purell your hands and stuff for people you incidentally pass on the subway, you're not going to see it again. Lou coughs in my mouth 20 times a That's day. True. Yeah. So it's like if we Purell lose hands and she has Corona, it's like, yeah, fine. But it's not like she's just some subway passenger, <laughs> like I say, sayonara to. She's coughing in my face again and saying, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You see how she is, right? So, of Or if you have it, the way you're always wanting the kisses. And <laughs> I want them too. But what I'm saying is, stop stocking up on Purell. It's no, not going to do it. Once you bunker down, the uh, apocalypse yeah. is in motion. And just try to survive with Mr. Noodles might be a good idea to get. No, I and that's what I think. I think get canned fruits and veggies. Get can something with vitamin C so you don't get scurvy. Stuff mm. like that. Put stuff in your freezer. Get fruits and veggies and meat and put that in your freezer. But again, not too much. And if it's something that you're going to eat anyway, then who cares if you're buying a little extra because you're going to have it there whether this pandemic reaches crazy you know, yeah, heights exactly. or not. Yeah, like, uh, Get foods you're going to eat anyway. Like Kraft yeah. Dinner is a delicious meal on the cheap. <laughs> Buy a ton of that. But I, I do think that's way more, should yeah. be higher on the checklist I agree. than anything else. I agree. Um, I'm way more likely to buy toilet paper mm-hmm. out of this pandemic <laughs> craze because it's not on sale right now because no. I know everyone wants it. But I love buying tons of toilet paper when... You do. When it's on sale, like toothpaste when it's on sale. Yep. I love that. Anyway, the, those aren't the things to be buying right now. But we aren't stocking up. And no. The, and I have, it's weird. I have this idea that, oh, if anything goes bad, your dad's just going to be like, honey, I'm headed to Costco and he's just going to drop off everything <laughs> we need. But it's like in reality, that's not good because your dad. He's older. He just turned 60. He right? will be turning he's 60. Just, he's about to turn 60. And your mom also. That I will, and you're pregnant, I'm going to be the one having to do the Costco You will be. Run. Well, you and Jake can go together. You're okay, both young, yeah. strapping lads. Actually, Jake can just go. <laughs> He's the perfect age and fitness he is. level. He is. Jake, my brother, is a very healthy young guy. Actually, I'm kind of worried because my parents and your dad and Nona are going, they're all going to be in Florida mm-hmm. over the March break. And they're all over 60 or just yeah, about 60. Yeah, they just 60. had three deaths there, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of that's scary. So folks... Our family members, if you're going there, please wash your hands and be careful. Mm-hmm. So this week, Shane, um, I did a takeover of Inspire Pregnancy. Congratulations. Thank you. It felt good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. 
<laughs> it was funny because I uh, I did a couple of these takeovers when I first started my account, and it was wild. The oh, you just blew up like you were yeah, a celebrity. The amount of uh, attention they got and followers they got it was insane. Things have really cooled off. And and is that because Instagram's algorithms changed? Like, I is there- have no idea. So to give everybody an idea of this. My very first two takeovers with them got forty-five to 50,000 views on my mm-hmm. stories. And those were amazing takeovers, by the way. Like, Thank you put you. in so much effort and you were so good on camera that uh, you deserved all the followers you got. And I think you got more followers than anyone I had ever seen. Okay, so when I had found out you were taking over Inspire, I started watching other people doing takeovers and screen grabbing their followers before they did the takeover yeah. and after. And some people would only get 100 followers. Some people get 500. Some people get 400. But nobody got over 1,000. And you got 2,500 followers. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Your first takeover, you got over 1,000. Yeah. And then your next one, you got 2,500. And it was so insane. I couldn't believe it. But um, so many of those women that, you know, started – keeping up with this family tree after those Inspire takeovers are like the people I talk to the most now. And they're from every corner of the world. And it's so cool because they've been a part of this since I was pregnant with Lucy. Mm-hmm. And they message all the time. And it's it's become this like total close-knit thing. And it's so cool. So I kind of thought that it's like, wow, what a, you know, what a great thing to do, Inspire Pregnancy And it still takeovers. was. Yeah. yeah, no, and it still was. And it still is. Um, but it is funny because I look at the people taking over now, not just myself and how many views their stories are getting. Cause when you're taking over the account, you see all that. And instead of 45 to 50,000 people viewing, you're getting, I'd say between 4,000 and 11,000 people mm-hmm. viewing the stories. Yeah. So it's changed a ton, but I still had, I had a great time doing it. It's, I just love being introduced to those new people, but I got some funny fan mail really? not from not from the like from men <laughs> yeah. this, is funny. So, this is the part of uh these big accounts like inspire pregnancy and things that is uh very creepy actually and some of it is very harmless but there is a darker side so whenever these people would message me on the inspire pregnancy account i would just block them for the girl that runs it because these guys are just creeping on every woman that comes on there. Uh, and then a few of them came over to my account and messaged me directly. Mm-hmm. And then I just, well, I deleted them from mine and blocked them. Well, give yourself a little bit more credit. I don't think they're doing it to any woman. I think they're picking and choosing their predators based no, on... pregnant women. Yeah, yeah. I think they're picking and choosing their victims based on aesthetic appearance. Well, I'm flattered, but I wanted to read you a couple. So a lot of them, especially when I first started the other day, I was just blocking right away, and then I thought it could be a funny a funny little bit. I'm ready to laugh. <laughs> They're all quite blunt. The first one, send pictures of your belly, just directly asking. Let me see the photos. <laughs> you didn't, did you? <laughs> Imagine I I should have sent my belly. <laughs> what is hilarious. wrong with your belly button? <laughs> is this a man's belly button? Uh, the next one. Are you going to record your birth? So to be honest, I thought this was a woman at first, and I thought this was a very legit question. Yeah. And then I went to the profile, and it's you know a 
one of those blank Instagram pictures. They have zero things put up. Nobody's following them, but they're following, yeah, you know, 2,000 accounts. And the majority of the accounts were pregnant women. So then a couple hours later, I that guy ended up messaging me on my personal account along with another guy. So the guy that asked, are you going to record your birth, then came on my account and said, when your due date, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming to check up when the due date has arrived to see if I've recorded the birth or posted anything. And then the other guy that came on, hi, mommy, you have beautiful feet. And I, uh, I do appreciate all these, all these people, but you, you are all blocked. And, uh, from my page and from inspire pregnancy, but it was, it's very funny, the mix of mm-hmm. people you get because you have moms or women who are pregnant who are genuinely asking questions they want to know. And sometimes they're intimate questions because they're about to go through this crazy mm-hmm. birthing process. But then some guys like hearing about this crazy birthing process just as much, which is really odd to me because it's it's pretty gruesome and Well, it's going to suck if you do have that fetish. For pregnant women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because (coughs) you find the perfect woman. She just (laughs) happens to be. She's, oh, oh, great. I went on this date. This woman's pregnant. Her man left her. (laughs) You're only really in the state of arousal for like nine months tops. (laughs) And probably what if she's like you and your belly doesn't pop for a bit. It's true. So then you might only get four good months of really being like heightened sexually. Yeah. Or if you're the the foot fetishist with the pregnant, then so many Venn diagrams have to cross to actually get this guy's motor revving. I feel terrible for the guys trapped in this. But but you're still, even if there's like a secondary thing, you still only have that maybe sweet five months of big belliness. That's what I mean. And then even if you meet the girl, but then you don't like her feet, then you're like back to the drawing board. And it's just like... (laughs) It's got to like, I, I do feel for these guys. Like yeah. they didn't ask to have this particular no. predilection, you know? No, Like it's course. terrible. No, I know. It, it is hard. And I do like that outlook. But it's it's just funny comparing that with the all the moms to be. And it always just kind of hits you like that. Yeah. Especially the due date guy. And are you going to record that? Because that that is pretty gruesome. Yeah, who knows? He that might have been his way to break the ice into a more sexual conversation. <laughs> Cuz I think honestly the worst day for these guys is the day of birth. Cuz it's well, like, cause then I guess it ends Cuz if big you have belly. a birth fetish, that's like a one day maybe 48 hours tops type yeah, fetish. Yeah. He's probably just trying to like get some chit-chat cuz that's an innocuous kind of question that you might answer mm-hmm. and then before you know it you're like sending him pics. <laughs> Maybe I like. This. I want to know the world in which this happens, it, especially the guy. Send pictures of your belly. The world in which he says that to somebody so directly, and then somebody's like, "Okay, boy," and then just starts. Yeah, going. for that guy, a lot of his what turns him on is just asking, and that's kind of naughty yeah. to ask, right? But anyway, it was a it was a funny day. It was fun and pretty successful. Anyway, I wanted to do, introduce our first caller for the night. So we're going to be calling Jess from Our Mama Village. And she has an amazing account. Go check it out on Instagram. Uh, We'll make sure that she gives you all the info you need. But 
she's directed at behavior and mental health for babies and moms. So she talks about toddler behavior, baby behavior, and how this affects moms and parents and their, you know, mental stability and emotion and things like that. Nice. So we're going to call her up. Hello, Jessica speaking. Hey, Jess, this is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you very much for taking our call. I know that you're sick and you're 37 weeks pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no problem at all. So we wanted to talk a little bit about what you do. So you run Our Mama Village, correct? Yes. Okay, so do you want to give the listeners in your own words what you do there? For sure. Yeah. So our mama village, we have an Instagram page, Facebook page, and then we also do online courses. And really our whole goal with our mama village is to support parents and to support kids in their emotional health. So we post supportive content for parents on how to manage anxiety and their own mental health in the postpartum period. And then we also give a lot of parenting tips to help um, parents with their kids' big emotions and big feelings as well. So then what do the courses offer? Like, uh, are they specific to parents and kids or toddlers and babies? Yeah, for sure. So as of right now, we have two online courses. And so our first course is called Calming Anxiety and Motherhood. And that course is really for moms um, in the postpartum period. And it gives them tips and strategies on how to manage anxious thoughts, thoughts of comparison and mom guilt, Um, really all those thoughts that come up in the postpartum period that can be really tough to manage. And that was a passion of mine after going through my own experience with postpartum anxiety. And I'm a psychotherapist as well. So that really came out of my own experience and just seeing that there was a huge need for more support for mom's mental health. Absolutely. Um, And then my other course is How to Parent Little Kids with Big Feelings. And we just recently launched that course, and I'm super excited about it, really passionate about it. That course is for parents, and it helps parents raise their little kids that have big feelings. And we really focus on the age groups zero to five. Okay. And so it's a lot of talking about toddler meltdowns and tantrums and all those behaviors that we see in our little kids, just how to navigate them and it's really supposed to be a compass for parents to help them understand their kids better and yeah so I went through postpartum anxiety myself and those feelings are so out there and it it is wild the the lack of support and knowledge I had about it before experiencing it um and I didn't even know it could like it happened four or five months in for me so not even right away so I kind of like kind of thought that I was in the clear and then when it happened I was so confused about what I was even experiencing because I I wasn't depressed but I was so anxious over so many things in my life so it was really hard and then your toddlers with big feelings course is like so on the nose for us and where we are in <laughs> life right now with our girl Lucy so she'll be two in May okay um, yep so I was hoping that we could get a little advice uh there are a lot of listeners with kids the same age as lou so lucy is super sweet however she is very opinionated she likes things done a certain way and if it doesn't go her way she is not good at handling that so how do we handle a tantrum when she doesn't get what she wants 
Great. Yeah, that's such a good question. I know um, my daughter's three. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'm teaching, I'm also living it out too. So I can totally relate <laughs> to how hard it can be at times. Yeah. So when kids don't get what they want. So I think one of the first things that I really talk about on my page, as I know you follow and teach in my courses, is that all feelings are okay. Right. And so kids are allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be upset. They're allowed to be happy, sad. All of the feelings are okay. Um, and then we can set boundaries around behavior. Right. And and so there's going to be times, and this is her trying to discover what works, what doesn't work, what behavior is okay, what's not. And that's really her job as a two-year-old to try and mm-hmm. figure out the world, and figure out, you know, what's okay and what's not. And we can validate her big feelings around, you know, if, if she doesn't get the cup that she wants at dinner time or, you know, she doesn't get... My daughter doesn't get mac and cheese. Right. You know, something healthy instead doesn't want that. Um, We can validate those big feelings and at the same time kind of maintain our boundaries around the behavior. And sorry, go ahead. No, 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 keep going. Um, So if, if we can do that from a place of calm and what the research shows us is that really children don't know how to regulate their own emotions. Right. And so that's something that we teach them through regulating our emotions in the presence of them. Mm-hmm. And so they are allowed to have their big feelings or big meltdowns. And if we can stay kind of calm and validate, you know, wow, you're feeling really upset about that. Um, but we don't have to give in to the big feeling either and meet all of their demands. Right. We can practice being calm and setting boundaries. And I think that's good for parents too, because I know that a lot of adults have, you know, we're not so patient. We're not so good at handling our emotions. And then, you know, a toddler comes into the picture and it forces us to kind of confront our own faults in that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like if we're quick to anger or whatnot. So Lucy had a temper tantrum in Fortino's last week. And it was right when I was in the lineup and I was trying to pay and she would not like she threw herself on the floor, which she does when she gets pissed off now. And then she said, mommy hurt. So then everybody's looking at me thinking that I pushed her on the floor. And then I was just calmly saying, "Okay, Lucy, we're going to have to get up and go like we're you know, we're going back home, going back to the car. And I wasn't going to like I was just paying and trying to beg at the time, too. So I kind of let her tantrum and have it out even though we were in public uh and then we left and a lot of people were then asking me and I didn't know how to answer but they said when do you start disciplining them in situations like that and saying that you can't tantrum publicly like do we do that if we do then when does that happen yeah for sure I think that's a great question and so one of the things that I look at for little kids especially Lucy's age or my daughter's age is again they don't have the ability to regulate their own emotions in that moment so if we're really focusing on discipline or punishment around the the meltdown it we're not necessarily looking from a developmental perspective because often they don't have the ability to calm themselves. And so we're disciplining something that they can't do yet. Yeah. Um, So, so I think what you did is great. And one of my goals, (laughs) one of my goals for my page is to have parents who see other kids at the grocery store melting down, be like, Oh, okay. That's just like a normal two year old thing to do instead of, Oh, what's that parent doing? That's so bad. Yeah. Um, that they're allowing their child to melt down. So like I never got that before. I, I always thought that there was definitely something that 
was going wrong in those situations. And now I'm just one of those parents who will yeah. sit there and wait patiently in the aisle while the kid is like banging their hands on the floor and screaming or whatever. But And what do you do in a tantrum that's not necessarily as overt as a child screaming? But today, Lucy's version of tantruming was... She didn't really know what she wanted to do. Like, she didn't know if she wanted a cookie to be sitting in the cart, to be walking around. So she decided to just sit in the middle <laughs> of the, the ground. And she just wanted to stay put there silently. Yeah. In the grocery store again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was today. This was today, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I like to look at as well is that why is the tantrum happening? And mm-hmm. so part... Part of it is understanding just developmental norms that tantrums are expected from little ones and that, you know, we can cope with them when they come up. Yeah. But also one of the things that I always am talking about is getting curious as to why it's going on so that we can try and maybe set the stage for success differently or help them communicate their needs in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so the research shows us that there's four reasons why behavior usually happens, um, including things like meltdowns. So one of them being sensory, so just like she's overloaded, there's a lot going on in the grocery store, um, she needs a break. Mm -hmm. And so the way she's asking for a break is just being like, I just want to sit in the middle of the aisle and just, you know, take a break. Yeah. Um, Or under the sensory also falls tired, you know, if it's right by a nap time Mm -hmm. or hungry. You know, we get hangry, kids get really hangry too. Um, So thinking about those things. Um, another reason why behavior happens is kids are seeking attention or connection. So they they engage in big behavior to get kind of that reaction or connection from you. Mm-hmm. Another reason is they're trying to escape. So that's kind of like a break as well. Like they just want to get out of the situation and leave. Mm-hmm. And then the last reason is tangible. So they want an activity or an item. So, you know, we see that in the grocery store, too, where it's like they really want the chocolate bar and then they don't get it and then they scream um, because they want the chocolate bar. So for me, one of the things that I find helpful in the moment of tantrum as well is instead of being like, okay, how can I punish this? Like, what's going on? Like, what is she trying to communicate with me through this behavior? Mm -hmm. And if it's something that I can help her, you know, speak the need, like, oh, it seems like you really need a break, like you know, we're going to be done shopping soon and then we can go in the van and have a break or whatever it is. Or like, oh, you really want that item? We can't have that right now. So So trying to narrate what's going on. It's kind of staying firm in your rules without getting upset yourself. And I just had one last question before we leave you. So lately too, Lucy's testing her limits and she's doing things that she knows are bad because she gets a kick out of it. She starts laughing. So like she'll come over and she'll hit us and we'll say, no, Lucy, that hurts. And then she'll start giggling. And never have we made hitting a game. So I don't I don't know where it's coming from. But how do we deal with that? Like when she takes pleasure, I guess, yeah. in bad yeah. behavior. She's kind of acting like Chucky from uh, Child's Play films. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This is like one of the most common questions that I get. It's so common for kids to find like doing things like hitting or biting funny. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a whole part on it in my course. So okay. it's funny that you ask me that. But what my advice is to that is continue to just try and give it as little connection as possible when she hits you like just even if you can fully just like not say anything to it or like move your body out of the way because really my guess 
without having seen it in action mm-hmm. is that she's seeking that connection with you because she finds she thinks it's funny right even if you guys don't think it's funny and you're not adding <laughs> to it <laughs> and so what we want to teach kids is like what behavior works to get that response and what behavior doesn't work so and just so, no response unless it's yeah. like good behavior so we're just not acknowledging the bad behavior kind of like with the tantrum we let them work through it yeah exactly and again like you can move your your body and 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 then after the time like when it's not happening you can say you know can't let you hit and give her maybe different options of things she can do Mm. and then I'd really focus on catching the behavior that is funny that she does and giving her kind of that extra encouragement like wow Lucy that was so funny like I loved watching you do this and like laughing with her oh yeah she gets so much of that that I'm shocked that she's even looking for it by doing bad things because Mm -hmm. she is hilarious and we like kill ourselves every day laughing at her so it is shocking to me yeah and I think of that as her being like oh is this funny too oh let me see like let me try this out (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of the job of a two-year-old is just trying out different behaviors and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. Um, Jess, this has been a great conversation and your page is so wonderful. I really love going on to it for advice. So where can listeners find you if they want to check out your courses or see the tips that you guys post every day? The best place probably to find me is over on Instagram and you can find me at Our Mama Village. And Mama Village is the M-A M-A or Mama yes. M-O? Okay, M-A, M-A. M-M-A-M-A, yes. Okay, Yeah. good. Perfect. Well, Jess, thank you so much for taking the time out of your sick weekend <laughs> to uh, <laughs> chat with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, have a great day. Take care. Bye. Thanks, you too. Bye. Okay, so are we ready for our second caller? We are. So we're going to call a friend of mine from high school. Her name is Sam Northrup, who is married to an Argentinian tennis player who loves you he doesn't love me don't say that well i like you guys get along we see them we, once i met every... him once at a wedding yeah i mean i wish we got to see them more because my only claim to fame with him is that he got hooked onto instagram because of me because i told him hey get on that instagram <laughs> and then before i knew it he was like should i i was like yeah do it and we were kind of drinking at the wedding and then the next day he joined instagram and i think he's been on it ever since there you go that's my claim to fame he does not love me well i love him and i wish we could see them more because i think we'd have a good time but we are gonna call sam she has three children of her own two beautiful girls and a really beautiful boy uh and she did hypnobirthing for each one so delivered them naturally do we believe in being hypnotized I don't know. I'll believe anything. I just got to hear more about it first. So, so you do believe in hypno- hypnotizing? Yeah. Well, it's not hypnotizing in that sense. It's more like meditative. So we're going to call Sam and she is going to give us the skinny on what it was like to give birth naturally using hypnobirth techniques. Okay. All right. Hello. Samantha, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? So good. Thank you for taking our call today. Uh, So Shane and I were just telling the listeners how you have three beautiful children, which you gave birth to naturally using hypnobirthing techniques. Yes, I would say um, a very modified version of a a hypnobirthing technique. Okay, can Um, you let us know, like, what is hypnobirthing? Like, there's not somebody in front of you swinging a pendulum. No. <laughs> uh, so from from what I read, you know, I, I found it via online somewhere, and 
connected me with a book and basically everything that I know and I learned was from this book. It was by, it's called Hypnobirthing by Marie Mongan. And it's super detailed. It goes into all aspects of pregnancy, postpartum, scientific, mental uh, thought process. But what she makes very clear is that it's a combination of hypnotizing technique and natural birthing, hence the combination hypnobirthing. Okay. So it's trying to, I guess, make people aware that it's it's not some type of like heebie-jeebie hypnotizing, you know, thing where the woman is not present and she's unaware. And that's what they're actually trying to, I guess, prevent because a lot of people these days, you know, with epidurals and, uh, you know, uh, medications and mm-hmm. C-sections, there's a lot of things that happen that, you know, some people need it some women need it and that's okay but some people just kind of result to it out of fear of what could happen if they don't have it and so that's what they're trying to um, with this method bring to light that you know you don't need to make yourself unconscious or you know afraid of what could happen you just need to trust your body and trust what it's naturally meant to do and that hypnotype release is a form of just relaxing to let it do its own thing had you ever been hypnotized by a magician or anything in real life? <laughs> I have not. I have not. Um, I don't know if I would want to be, mm-hmm. but uh, I definitely have not. Have you? No, but I and I honestly don't think I'd be susceptible to it just because I have a really hard time relaxing. And I know only a certain percentage of people can be. And even those percentage of people that say they can be, I don't know if they're just bullshitting or not. But but I was just wondering if maybe yeah. you were one of the people who had been maybe hypnotized by a magician and then heard about hypnobirthing and was like, hey, if I could, if I'm susceptible to that, maybe I can actually get into this Zen state. Yeah, I actually never thought about it like that. Um, I, you know, on this whole process, the uh, I was at a point in my t- uh, of my life actually where. I was trying to become more natural, do with a lot of the crazy things that, you know, come out every other month. Um, I went through a bit of a healing process on my own, uh, you know, and once I was given the blessing to have a child, I just said to myself, I want to do everything in my power to to not put them through any stress mm-hmm. uh, as naturally as possible. And I, I thought long and hard when you guys asked me to talk about this stuff, like, why did I get into this? Like, what mm-hmm. caused me to read this book? Yeah. And I really could not remember. I could not remember. I just remember that I was in a time where I was trying to do everything naturally. Mm-hmm. Probably saw some kind of influencer or a YouTuber or, or somebody going through a similar thing, mentioning it, and just did a little bit of my own research, which mm-hmm. I think is super important. Like, you know, there's all kinds of methods, all kinds of ways of doing things, but at the time, you just got to look into it and see, is this something that works for me, works for my family? And is this something that I feel comfortable years from now if, for whatever reason, it wasn't the right decision? If somebody asked, you know, like, why did you do it? I said, at the time, I did my best, and mm-hmm. that's what worked for me and that's what I believed in and you know that's really all that you can do so were you um, willing to abandon ship at all like I know like let's say your first two mm -hmm. kids you went through hypnobirthing and then on the third one it just something wasn't working as easily would you say hit me with the epidural drug me up or were you very very committed at all costs to sticking to the hypnobirth so I was really committed in all three pregnancies I think the first my first son, I was 
more afraid of an epidural needle mm-hmm. than of the birthing pro like the birthing process itself. I, I, I don't I do not like needles. I've always me had either. a lot of anxiety. Uh so for me that was a huge like push to to be true to trying to avoid it. I did get to a point though where I was considering it, I'll tell you that, and without my husband being there saying, you know, are you sure? Because you told me to make you think about it and I can tell that you really can't think at the moment. So I don't know if I should make the decision for you or or you know, what to do. And I just kept telling him, okay, just one more contraction. Let's just go push through one more contraction. And one more contraction became one more contraction became, okay, now it's too late for you to get an epidural. So you just got to push through it. And, you know, and so, uh, and I'm sure Alex knows this, but when you're in labor, you'll go through phases where it'll become more complicated. And, you know, depending on how relaxed you are and how in tune you are with your body and how focused you are, you can get through those moments, but sometimes you kind of lose grip. And during those moments are the times where we really start to think, give me an epidural or I need something or I'm losing control and I need help. Like I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I, I just can't take it anymore. And so definitely through all three of my pregnancies, I would say, you know, you have those little tiny moments. But as I progressed to my second and my third, they became less and less. And, and I would say I, I knew that, you know, I can push through this. I've, I've done more intense labor before I've been more uncertain of what's going to happen. You know, I know, I know the process, I know my body uh, and I was able to thankfully get through all three without any epidural or, or help. But like I said, I am very scared, you know, so that was a yeah. huge deterrent so, in my part. Sam, whereas that was kind of what pushed you to find an alternative. I need to be like very medically looked after in pregnancy and in, in birth just mm-hmm. because of my condition. But even if I wasn't, like the idea of not having an epidural scares the hell out of me and honestly what you did is like so scary to me delivering without anything because I am scared of the pain and I'm scared of losing my head like I almost don't trust myself to stay relaxed enough so can you kind of like tell us what it even is because the just the idea of hypnobirthing and of allowing yourself to just go through it is very scary to me. But I don't exactly understand what it entails. So can you kind of go through right. like what you do in that process? Yeah, for sure. So like you said it perfectly. I think your thought process and mentality is how probably ninety percent of women these days feel, mm-hmm. and within good reason. Like I don't feel like it's their fault. I feel like society as a whole these days has painted a picture about what can expect you turn on a movie or a tv show or you just talk to somebody around the corner what do you hear oh my god it's so painful i can't believe how you didn't get epidural like you could feel it like what did it feel like how painful was it because we see people screaming you know during Mm -hmm. labor and they're going (laughs) hyperventilating (laughs) you know and like they're trying to knock off their husband's uh you know head in the process (laughs) they're screaming at the nurses throwing things across the room and so i think like as you know, coming from an athletic background, and I know you too as as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so mental. We are so so mental, and like so much of what we do is already set in our head. It's built by during our whole pregnancy, what people you know feed into us, what we see, and we develop our own expectations and fears based on that. And this whole book um, is explained about how it's not pain. What you feel is not painful. It's uncomfortable. It's discomfort. But the minute you start to tell yourself that you're not feeling pain and that what you're feeling is not something that 
that you cannot help. It's something that you can process and you can decide how you want to process it. But it's not pain. It's not uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I'm sorry. It's not painful. And so once once you get into the mental aspect of it and you become, you know, more informed about, it talks about the body itself and how your contractions work during labor and how you can in turn help those contractions go to their maximal effect to make birthing, the birthing process faster and more enjoyable. Once you're able to do that, then you, then you become so confident. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it becomes a gentle, comfortable, powerful, and, you know, empowering experience. And it's no longer a fear. And so once you can eliminate fear and you can eliminate the thought process of pain, you can immediately just be so much more comfortable about the whole process. And that's like, for me, step one, because I had huge anxiety, just like you. I I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I want to do it naturally, but people are telling me like I'm crazy if I want to do it that way. And I've never had a surgery before, so I don't even know if I have a high pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. I'm scared of needles. I pass it when they take blood for me. Like, how am I going to do this, (laughs) you know? And so I was that way. And then the more I read this book, I was just like, wow, this makes so much sense because this is not somebody feeding you what their experiences was. It's going based off history and science. And of course, if you're religious or if you believe in any higher power, I mean, somebody put us here for a reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whatever they did to make us who we are, you better believe they gave us what we could need to to birth a baby. Mm -hmm. If we innately know how to create a baby, our body knows how to do it. We know how to give birth. We just have to give into our body and give into our intuition as women and just do our best to relax and let it happen. And that is a really hard thing to say. It's super easy to say. And trust me, at times in my my delivery, I probably was thinking to myself, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe that I could have done this. But like I said, you can regain your control. My husband laughs. This is a story he tells everybody these days now. They ask, oh, my God, I can't believe you did it. Like, you're so strong. You must have such a high pain tolerance. And I'm thinking, like, no, I feel so average and so normal. Like, mm-hmm. it was hard. But my husband said, are you sure? Because I think I remember at one point, I almost lost my hand to your teeth. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you lose it a bit. But the most important thing is the more you prepare beforehand and you just read and become informed, that fear, just it just goes away. It really goes away. And it just allows you to embrace the whole experience. It's just so beautiful if you really think about it. So... So um, even if they created, let's say, a pill that's an epidural, it's a new epidural pill on the market, let's say, hypothetically. Yes. So you get to avoid the needle and you get to avoid all that discomfort. You still would not take it. I wouldn't. And I wouldn't because um, aside from the fact of injecting and the needle, mm-hmm. um, I, like I said, I'm a true believer in that we are made to do this birthing process and we shouldn't need anything are there people that need it? And if I had some kind of complication come arise and they say, listen, you could lose a baby or you can be, you know, um, susceptible to something yourself, then I would definitely do whatever I need to do. I'm not just against it because I'm stuck in my ways and I think yeah. it's the only mm-hmm. way to, to go about it. But I think that, that, you know, it could lead to complications. And I know that women suffer after they have an epidural, whether they need it or not. Sometimes, you know, they, they have complications. They have to be separated from their baby. They, you know, they can get the chills. They get they're shaking. They throw up. You no, know, there's always complications. There's always side effects to what we decide to do. So, if I can not do it, I wouldn't do it. You know, yeah. I, it's just like one thing. Last thing to why risk it? You know, if you can get away without doing it, I would. I just wouldn't. So but Sam, that's just me. What so. what exactly does it involve? Is it meditation or is it? 
Like okay, um, yeah. So she talks about um, ways that you can get into the zone. Okay, and she has different terminology, but if I get into it, I'll be here all day. <laughs> but she does talk about ways of how to get your body to that relaxed state. She gives several techniques. Some are like imagining a balloon and it's floating in the air, like it's very like whimsical. Mm-hmm. And other people to get relaxed, like they have, they want to listen to heavy metal music. Now mm-hmm. that wasn't a technique that was listed in the book, but they offered like different options, and you just kind of decide what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Personally, I didn't really do much to get into a relaxed state. I just kind of relaxed my body, mm-hmm. and I had little things that I kept telling myself throughout the process, like you can do this. Um, your body was made to do this. It's going to be beautiful. Just work with your body like you're on the same team as your body. And the more you can relax, every breath you take in and every breath you give out is going to be controlled. And that's going to make you one step closer to seeing your baby. Like you're actually, if you don't tense up and you relax, you are actually helping your baby come out. I mean, you're, you're the one helping your baby. Of course, naturally, it's going to move. But, you know, the more that you can be in sync with your body and your baby. And so that's what I would just keep telling myself. That's kind of like what got me through it. Um, But the breathing is what happens. So I was just wondering, like, are these things that you practice throughout your pregnancy to prepare for that day? Okay. So I kind of did it halfway, I guess you could say, because technically you could take classes for this, which I think would be super helpful. And a lot of times they want your birthing partner, whether it's a midwife, your husband or a sister or just a friend to come with mm-hmm. you. And these, I think, could go for months. I really don't know. At the time where I got into it with my first, it was kind of too late for me to attend a class. So I just picked up the book and I read it. And I tried some of They had a CD in it and they had some relaxation techniques. But basically what I stuck to were like the main points of it. And so they express that there's three types of breathing techniques. And the first one is something they called sleep breathing. Mm -hmm. And so this is what you practice pre-birth and it's how to get yourself, like I said, into that relaxing state. And it's what you will use during the birth when you're not having a contraction. So between your, they call them uterine surges. So it's like terminology, not contraction, because they see contraction as negative, like Mm -hmm. when something's contracting, it's tense. So the surges is what they call it. So in between, they tell you to breathe through your stomach, in, and always through your nose, like never your mouth, Yeah. up to the back of your throat for a count of four. So you breathe in four, out to eight, and all through your nose. Like if I was just reading this, I'd probably be very bad at it, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't make <laughs> the time to practice enough. So there are classes available. So if you're there like are. me, that would probably mm-hmm. be a great thing to do. And I imagine you could probably find these things on YouTube and things too to help you oh, practice yeah. on your own. Definitely. Anyway, Sam, we got we got to get going. I really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with us and enlighten us because I learned a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it's something I'd consider. <laughs> Maybe more now than I than I was yesterday. But even. if you have another birth, you're going hypno all the way. Oh, for sure. All for right. sure. And like I said, I don't even consider me like I didn't even really stick to it. You know, I didn't really do it all the right. way. I think more than anything, it's just like I said, eliminating the fear, giving yourself confidence, trusting your body and that you can do it. And, you know, listen to the people that want to feed you all the fear, mm-hmm. but use that to empower you and say, listen, mm-hmm. that's fine. That may have been your experience or your mindset, but it's not going to be mine. That's, that's awesome. actually really motivating. It, it makes is. me want to 
give birth yeah. or something. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can do it. It you. is. Yeah. yeah, you got it. You got to find it within because you're not going to, these days it's sad. You're not going to get it from outside, you know? No, um, I love that, Sam. That's like the key. I yeah. love that and I love your outlook. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. All right. Bye, have, have a great weekend. So now do we go on to the end questions? Yes, we do. So we have listener questions today. Uh, the first being, how did you come up with the name Betty? So Common she, question. Yes. She, you know, a common question because it's... Not that it's a bad question. No, uh, but it's a name that some people can't envision for a baby and for a little girl because we are so used to hearing it on people who are older because it has not been a popular name in decades. Hmm. But... All those old Bettys were once very little, very adorable little girls and babies named Betty. You just blew my mind. <laughs> but uh, we were in Las Vegas swimming at our swimming pool. What was our hotel called? Uh, it was the one where that guy shot everybody. Yeah, uh, Mandalay Bay. Yes. So we were at Mandalay Bay. <laughs> Such a wonderful <laughs> reference point to remind us of our great vacation. It was the best trip and we've talked about that lots on this podcast so i won't get into it too much but, but just vegas for a baby was surprisingly great considering how especially juxtaposed with how bad it sounds yeah. oh i'm going to vegas with my baby oh that sounds like a nightmare it was our best vacation it was the best and my dad came with us and uh, so we had extra hands on deck so one person would be you know in the water with the baby and like it was amazing because they, the, they have a big lazy river there so my dad would sit in a tube on the lazy river with lucy and he'd have a beer in one hand he'd be holding lucy and they would just float around for hours so that shane and i could you know get a swim or get a little nap and it was amazing yeah so and we obviously oh. a big part of the reason why it was our best vacation is because john came I and go was back. like having fun with us he's like a pretty fun dad to be we gotta go back with. honestly that it was the best the pools yeah. were amazing uh, anyway, how Shane and I were in a pool. It was a beautiful day. And I don't know, Betty might just seem like an old Vegasy name. Maybe we just saw a lot of old people in Vegas in the casinos. Well, also, it sounds even better with the name Lucy next to it. Yes, it does. So if you're thinking of like them as a pair, it's like Lucy and Betty. Oh, look at these people, these two classic names. Yeah. Isn't this a, when they're old ladies? Aren't they cute? <laughs> Lucy and Betty, you know, in high school. Lucy and Betty. Just, yeah, I can envision it so well. Well, the, the thing we liked about it, it's a cute name, but it's also so cool when you get down to it and think about it. It's just short. It's kind of sassy. It's, yeah, I, I love it so much. So, and, okay. So what's the middle name though? We, we have not discussed. You we got anything that on out. the table. I'll, I'll stamp that check right now. You have nothing, nothing. Nothing. No, no. Okay. We got to talk about it. Um, second question we've got. What will the intro to your podcast be when Betty arrives? That's a great question. And I baby love this Lou question. is in bed and the cat is in her room. I was thinking about this. This I love this question. <laughs> I think it will be the kids are in bed. The cat is in her room. And I think when the cat dies, unfortunately, <laughs> the cats don't have a long shelf life. They 20 years. They do? Yeah. Oh, I think the real old ones, but some die after like 10. And this one, we, we caught this one midstream. True. So anyway, I'm not looking forward to this it's by any means, but it would be, hi, my name is Alex. I'm here with my husband, Shane. The kids are in bed. The cat is unfortunately dead. <laughs> and I got to laugh. The cat is unfortunately dead, but we are so glad you could join us for happy hour. <laughs> I also love 
how sultry your voice just went for those two. Yeah, I'm trying to be feminine. <laughs> not trying that hard. I but. think we need to switch the intro. Like, you do a great job at it, uh, way better than I do. I screw it up every single week. No, you don't. You've gotten much better because it took us a while to cultivate that. Yeah. But I think when we get to episode 50, mm-hmm. I'll do it till episode 100. And oh, then we'll just fun. alternate every 50. Yeah, I like that. So, next question. I don't know if it's this is a real thing or not, but it is very interesting. Should I move into a communal 11-bedroom house with my two siblings, their spouses, and our kids? So, I'm assuming they're looking at some mansion with a ton of bedrooms. So, it'd be three siblings, everybody's spouses, so six adults, and then all of their kids. I say this is very dependent on your life situation. If these people are amazing, if you're a community, if you're all going to help each other, if like uh, these people are going to be like, you guys need a date night. We've already got so many kids. You go out and you get us next weekend. This could be a heaven. This could be a utopia. Yeah, you could actually go out like so frequently with your spouse. Exactly. It's like I always say the nuclear energy theory, which isn't mine, but it's... Something like this can either destroy a city or power it. And that's Mm -hmm. what nuclear energy could do. So this could be heaven or hell, depending on how it is. And think of all the money you'd be saving. Like this could be such a killer win on so many levels. But it's all people dependent and situation dependent. And if you got the money, maybe you don't even want to risk it because it could ruin the friendships. But if you have to do it and you can make the best of it, you can really come out on top, I think. It could be fun, too. Like, I just think of Lucy when she gets to play with her cousin, Elsie, like mm-hmm. my cousin's daughter. They have a great time, and it's so cool for Lucy to have that older kid kind of showing her around. But then I think of the things like, what about when you and your spouse are having an argument or a disagreement? You may argue less because you're less liable to. Sometimes you're on your best behavior when others are around. Yeah, but then when it becomes the norm, and you become too comfortable. I don't know if that ever happens. It's, it's such an interesting thought. I say go and rent a massive Airbnb first. No, this the, someone who's going to move in with this many people probably doesn't have the expendable money to do something like that. You never like, know. It could be It could be like a crazy mansion they're going to move into. Oh, I know. But realistically, doing a test run in an Airbnb sounds like a luxury that these no, people No, you could do prob- it in a cottage. You could, you could get cottages for I know, for but that, that takes... Alex, that's such a dreamer's mentality. Yeah. Like, you think these people have a spare weekend to just kick it and, like, do a test run? And how insulting <laughs> would it be to be like, didn't work, we don't like you. They're going to either have to do true. it or they're not. True, 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 true. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I agree with Shane totally. Especially completely. if you're using it to save money and you have to. Yeah. It's like, this soon shall pass can be your new mantra. And then in five years, when you'll just laugh at this, that but weird time in your life. You could technically go on a date night every single day sorry every single week so if there's three different families in there then you just rotate what night you get to go on your date night on whether it's thursday friday or saturday and you just rotate 100 percent. and like i'm in for that we were in a kind of a weird position like for me in particular Mm -hmm. i uh, got kind of evicted from my place in toronto yeah and you and i well your his lease was up your no, my lease was wasn't up. They tried doubling my rent. Oh, right, right. And I, I, I couldn't pay double the rent, so I got evicted. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to like buy a place with you. Yeah. I'm talking to my wife, Alex. And we were engaged at the time. And then you were like, let's live with my parents. 
was like, okay, I'll try well, until this. Until we find a place. Yeah, right? I was going to live with my mom, but that was going to be much more inconvenient because your parents live closer to the bus station, mm-hmm. which which I, I use the bus to go to work. So your parents live close to that. Anyway, I lived with your parents before they even really got to know me. They got to know me through me living with them. It turned out great, though. I had yeah. no complaints, obviously. Like, your parents are extremely cool for something like that. Well, it was. it's funny because we often are reminded of that time by just something random that, you know, makes us kind of jogs our memory. And we always forget that we did live there for like three months. It feels like a time period that was a dream. Yeah. Like a literal dream. Like it, it feels like, oh, that actually happened? How? Like what were we doing every day? We we did stuff every single night. Like we would go bowling. We bowled yeah. so and, frequently. And we had a great time. Like yeah, I'm not even a bowler, but I actually became really good at bowling because I didn't well, want we to... Well, we both did. We were, we were so excited to go and show other people up because oh, we were bowling constantly. And we, every night was a new yeah. date night. So we really utilized that to the best of our abilities because I was very paranoid about invading your parents' personal space or being in any of their common areas or yeah. having any expectations or creating a mess for them. Like, I would hate to be the guy cramping their style. And then when I saw how messy you lived, <laughs> I was like, okay, good. They're not going to be blaming me for being the mess. You know well, what I mean? I, yeah, my bedroom was a disaster. So it was it was a kind of perfect storm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which and I hope it is for the, these people who are asking this question. So we say if the people are right, why not? Yeah. Right on that. How do you get Lou to sit still long enough for one of those cute ponies? It wasn't easy in the beginning. If you just do it every day, she kind of learns to sit still. No, well, a key was for me... And when I saw her struggling with you, I just said, let's show Lou how she looks in the mirror. Oh, right. And this then, was huge. And then we show Lou how cute she looks. And then she sees that she's looking like how she sees people she's look on fancy, TV yeah. or a cartoon. Then she was like, pretty. And she liked it. So anytime <laughs> Lou's struggling with anything, I try to show her it in the mirror. Or like today we had to put a crown on her. So I was showing her pictures of princesses. So she could see princesses wear crowns. And then at first she, th- she threw it off a bunch of times and then it didn't really work. And we gave her a bag of cookies and then she wore it. And even like her, she has a baseball cap, Raptors baseball cap. And when we first got it for her, she would not let us put it on her head. And then we were like, you know, struggling, grappling with it, got it on her head and then quickly put her in front of the mirror so she could see how cool it looked. And then she was into it. Now she wears yeah. it all the time on her, uh, of her own volition. Mirror trick works. All right, next question. Did you get any signs during the two-week wait? So this is in reference to when we got pregnant with Betty after the miscarriage. Did I get any signs that I was pregnant? Instantly. Yeah, so with the miscarriage pregnancy and with this one, I was kind of, I was flaring up with my lupus. So for me, that's, you know, that's a sign. Obviously, not everybody has lupus, so you're not going to flare up. Other than that, during the two-week wait with this pregnancy I didn't have any other signs so I tried to really play it cool and I tried not to think about it because your you nail know, beds raised they which raised were, that, but I then, know that's a sign of lupus but then we but then we had a miscarriage for the first time that happened so I, know, I, I wanted it happened to happened again so we knew you're probably pregnant yeah but I did want to avoid getting too excited just in case it was a chemical pregnancy or something like that so this time I didn't remember I did not test yeah and I waited until the day of my missed period to test. And then I forced myself to wait another couple days. I tested again. And it was strange. It was harder to do. Uh, like it was harder to stay focused and 
not take the tests because I was really obsessed with it before. But then because I didn't, I felt so much better during the two-week wait. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I tried to stop looking for any little sign and things like that and just tried to live my day-to-day until it was my mist. Once your biggest fear happens, at least for me, it's easier to be yeah. fearless. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's that's how it works. Because look at the miscarriage pregnancy. I was testing for the week leading up, week and a half leading up to my miss period. Like yeah. frequently. It was wild. Uh, anyhow, next question. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? This is such a hack answer, but it's so true. Pizza is amazing. Pizza is amazing. But tacos it's one type of food but so much variety within that i agree and i love tacos i'm obsessed with tacos i'm obsessed with food pizza still wins pizza is the best food yeah perhaps and then i guess you could change it up based on your mood too and the proof is in the pudding anytime we're having some special cheat night it's not a taco night it is (laughs) in fact i oddly will put a mexican meal in some sort of health category no our I think our Mexican meals, because we do them healthy, though, I think. and Still. they Yeah, I definitely put Mexican food in with health foods. Mm-hmm. See, I think sushi, but that's because I'm craving it right now. Yeah, it would have to be between taco and pizza. Sushi is a very cool answer out of like Clueless oh, or something. Oh, but it's so yummy. And again, it's the variety within okay. Japanese food. You gotcha. have so much variety. And last question for the night. How do you increase breast milk supply? So there are a ton of things on the market that you can buy, like there's cookies and brownies and all these things that people make that you can buy and they're supposed to increase supply. And based on what's in them, they absolutely should work. But some things that you can do if you're at home and you don't have those things on you. When I first came home with Lucy, first came home from the hospital, I would eat a bowl of porridge every single morning Shane would fix it up for me and it was very delicious. So I just have a really big bowl of oats. We'd throw in peanut butter. We'd throw in other toppings like seeds and berries and things like that. And all those things are so great for production, oatmeal in particular. And then just drinking a ton of water. I cannot say that enough. Like the amount of water you have to drink, I I couldn't exaggerate that. Because you truly, yeah, you truly need to drink so much to keep your body hydrated and to keep your baby hydrated you're hydrating the two of you so in order to be keeping up lots of milk production you need to be drinking so much look it up how much you should be drinking and make sure you're getting that because if you're not getting that I don't see how your body could produce but yeah I we had no problem with production we never measured so I think a part of that lies with not not having measured and just knowing Lucy was full and knowing when she was hungry and feeding her and stopping feeding her at those times. So we never really stressed about measurements. Uh, I did hate pumping. I do hate pumping and I don't know if I'll pump with the with the second pregnancy or the second baby, but things like that. And then I always found too, after like when we had Lou, we uh, had a bottle of champagne you know, at we had our like first dinner at my parents' house and I had a bottle of champagne and I started lactating like crazy after a little glass of champagne and dark beer. I know people say too. And I did lactate a lot when I, when I would have something like that. So, okay. So make sure to do those things. Make sure. I was imitating you earlier. 
Is that what I said? Is that how I said it? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. But I tried to jump in earlier, but that was a long answer, which I loved and was very informative. <laughs> I'm just very hungry for the wings, so I kind of zoned out. Well, Shane, you want to sign us off? So I guess that's the end. We're going to eat some wings. The cat's still alive. Baby Lou is <laughs> fast asleep. And thank you so much for listening to episode 29 of This, this Family, Family Tree Podcast. Podcast.